Hey, welcome to the film podcast. I am Ricardo. As always, I'm still myself. Um, it's been at least three years since we've recorded a podcast, but we're back. Um, not better. I'd say we were worse <laughs> off. <laughs> and um, none of the original, um, how should I call them? The original Avengers could join us today, but we have uh, Marvin as our guest. Marvin, thanks for joining oh. us. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm some random jerk. No, no, no. Everybody's a friend of the podcast. Um, thanks for hanging out with us and giving these listeners some recommendations for Netflix streamings. Well, now that we're all trapped in this existential nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, okay, so it's interesting because cause Netflix, Netflix has... Like they're, they're sort of like, you know, they, they had the prestige stuff, right. And they're willing yeah. to be like, Oh, look at, look at our super awesome, but they're also willing to just have trash. Right. Oh, totally. And I think, and I think they're, they're self-aware of that. And like, so like the last thing I just finished completely watching was this, have you, have you seen any of Castlevania? at all uh, you know what i watched the first episode and it was really cool but i'm like this is a thing i have to finish so many other things i can't yeah, start this right now it's fine that's fine because <laughs> because okay so castlevania is like okay um i remember the games i remember this is like dracula belmont's gonna kill dracula cool so then you, you start watching that first season and you're like oh this is awesome because dracula is like a really sympathetic awesome character and you're kind of like, yeah, Dracula, kill them all. I want them <laughs> all to die because because the what he what they do to his wife is like the worst shit in the world. And you're like, yeah, he. I don't I don't want the Belmonts to enter the picture. So <laughs> so it, it it kind of like is good for the first episode because you're like, yeah, he's just doing what I want him to do. And then uh, Trevor Belmont shows up and he just mopes around being drunk for a while. And then the uh, other characters show up and they go, and you're drunk. Okay. What do you, what are, you, what are we going to do? There's monsters everywhere now. And he goes, I don't know. And then they discover Alucard just sleeping underground. And then and they go, well, there's... we should stop Dracula, right? And, and, and they go, yeah, we should. And then the first season's over. Oh my God. And there's three, right? There's three seasons. <laughs> yeah. There's three seasons. The first season is literally them just like being like, okay, we're just going to, gonna hang out <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like like you said i do like the that like they don't they don't poo poo the trash movies they really kind of let you at them yeah i mean like i mean they know people want I me mean, that's why tiger king is out <laughs> like people yes want to see trash <laughs> like and like you know they also want this like nice softball stuff you know yeah castlevania is not softball like it's some of the most like gratuitous, like, like, you know, I watch violent shit, you know, but, uh, the, the, the level of violence they have in this show where they're like just tearing people apart and like there's titties being torn off and people's <laughs> brains exploding. And you're like, Jesus Christ, even, even if you like presented this in like a Japanese anime context, this is a lot like this, this is an American studio, but I think like the first like season was actually just by one guy kind of really? animating it all like let me let me just make sure but like from what i understood like he didn't animate it all himself but it's like it was like a two-person studio or something and then 
they were just like, okay, uh, we we got a pitch going, and they showed a pitch, and then they were like, yeah, go for it. And they're like, oh, suddenly we have to hire people. <laughs> and, then, and yeah, it's yeah, it's just the two. two uh, it was just a producer named Kevin Cold, and um, oh, and it was um. It was a, uh, I think Warren Spec, uh, uh, Warren Ellis actually uh, wrote it. Wrote it. No at way. Least the initi- at least the initial you season. Me? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. from like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Warren Ellis. Yeah. Oh, you you, you should have started with that, Marvin. God damn it, dude! This is a fact you gotta start off. With. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah, like like Warren Ellis of like you know of X Men and like you know uh, the guy wrote Extremis and shit. So, oh, okay, okay. I think sorry, we're thinking I, of the I, wrong I, guy. Yeah, yeah. Think of Warren. Yeah, it's not the musician. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. No, because yeah. Warren Ellis has written things with like Nick Cave. Oh, okay. That's why I okay. was like, wait a minute. You have my attention now. <laughs> yes, um, I mentally I know, mixed them up as well. <laughs> I know who I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, it's like, and, it, and the the writing feels that way, where it's like it's kind uh, okay. of paced. Like I think the way they make seasons is they actually write a very long movie. And then they go, and here's when your episode will stop. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, like, when you watch it as a, as a show, you're like, why are we? Why is this the end of an episode? And I think it's just because they're like, well, they asked us for for six episodes this season. <laughs> That's how we cut them. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna cut them at the twenty minute parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard um, the guy who created uh, Eastbound and Down. Um, it's not it's not the the actor it's the other guy um he didn't know how to write a tv show so he literally wrote like a movie that they just cut up into like 20 minute episodes because I mean, that's, I'm, that's what I'm, you. I'm down for that for if you if you know you're going to be on streaming because it's all going to show back to back anyway yeah so it's yeah. like it, it makes a lot of sense i mean like um i don't know if he's do you see i'm not okay with this Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so that kind of runs that way too. Where like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a thing I'm glad Netflix is starting to do. Where like, remember remember the Marvel Netflix shows? Like, yeah, yeah. They were generally good, but they were always too long because they were always like 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 Luke Cage is the prototypical example. It's like that show that first season basically ends at the seventh episode, and then totally. you're like, great series is this, is this is a great story. Let's stop. But then they realize they need they they are contractually obligated to make six more, so they just throw in that Diamondback episode, that yeah. Diamondback story, and you're like, ah, "This is really weird. Why why is he quoting the Warriors unironically? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's it doesn't really it doesn't really jive with the rest of what the show was doing. Like, they literally, it's like it's like they wrote that like they wrote the first half very carefully, you know." And then yeah. they like, you know, very carefully crafted, like this really good story that's tight and like the action beats make sense. And this in the second half, they're like, shit, we have a month left. Let's just write something. Let's just have a scene where Diamondback is framing Luke Cage by walking down the street yelling, I'm Luke Cage. I'm Luke yeah. Cage. <laughs> and- I I like the European like seasons, which is like four episodes, and they're like the episodes are a little longer. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, though that's why that's that's something that's great about I am not okay with this is that one they realize it's streaming obviously so they let the episodes kind of meld into each other and then the other is that these episodes are like 20 minutes long so they're really well paced yeah, like you yeah. there's no fat to the show and granted the show you know just just to just to quickly summarize it for people listening it's like it's basically like Firestarter with the cast of it and it's like totally, totally. yeah and, and it's like you know 
you, you, it's like that type of likable characters and teens and, you know, and they're living their regular life, but suddenly this girl has telekinetic explosive powers and you're like, cool, just run with it. And it doesn't even get to a dramatic conclusion until the very last episode, but the whole time it's like fun to watch because you're like, oh, uh, you know. I like these characters. The acting is actually yeah. really great because they didn't have to shoot so much that they can like really concentrate on making these scenes good. And it's edited super tight. And it's like, you know, cause mm-hmm. they don't have to like really patty. That's one thing you would notice in the Marvel Netflix shows is that especially action scenes, they would kind of edit them like pad it out so that like actions, they don't really cut on the action. They cut right before the action. Yeah. <laughs> so it almost pads out a little, you know, uh, but I'm not okay with this. It's like, it's super tightly done. It's great. And um, I really love that show. I really, it was hard to like, I think I watched it in one sitting. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. ah, I want to watch one episode and then I'm going to go sleep. But then I was like, Oh gosh. All right. I'll finish it off. Uh, but it was really well made. And the ending is like, there's a really good cliffhanger. And it's like not in a cheesy way. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. I, um, I, I had, yeah, it's like, you know, the, the premise of like girl with superpowers is pretty overdone. Um, yeah. I think it helps that it comes from it, the, the material is, uh, um, I forget the name, but he's, he's, he's the, he's the brother of Charles Foreman. Yeah. yeah. Charles Foreman, uh, Forsman, I should say. Uh, he, he's a, he's a British guy. He's the guy who did, um, he did the other Netflix show, uh, end of the fucking world. Yeah, yeah. So see, yeah. I didn't like end of the. So it's a personal thing for me. Like, I when a character just kills an animal, I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> so it's like I don't, I'm not gonna really continue. It's it's partly why I couldn't continue Tiger King. I'm just like, these are all assholes. I don't care. <laughs> so I kind of just leave it alone. Um, but then like uh, end of the, like, but you could tell end of the fucking world. Like the content, you know, it, it's in that same headspace. You know, where it's just yeah. like. You know, these kids are just trying to deal with it's, – it's a growing up show, a Bill Dungsroman, as they would say. And uh, it's just in- interesting ways to look at it. It's really – have you ever – have you seen any of the Charles Forsman uh, um, comics? No, no. Yeah, they're like – they're drawn like uh, – like they're, they're they're very simple like indie comic like stick figure Like not oh, stick figure you know what I did? I did – when I finished watching the first season of End of the Fucking World. Yeah, it's exact I same went, style. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, went, I went and I looked at it and it, it's very like sim- – very, very simple. Like it's it's like it, – I imagine like somebody's like, I know how to write but I can't like illustrate. So this I'm, they're getting stick figures. <laughs> yeah, but but the content – doesn't like that's very indie comics, right? Like yeah, a lot yeah. of indie comics are like – you know, you have, you have the crumb where it's like this is – fucking gorgeous but he has like one tone and then you know mm-hmm. you have the like the american splendor where it's like it's you know simpler you know the composition's a lot simpler but you know it, it's awesome because of the content so, yeah. and end of the fucking world and i'm not okay with this is like you know kind of in that realm um so yeah so you know you take that as a basis for a show even though you know like they kind of just borrow elements from it it's not like really a direct adaptation for many reasons and you know you end up with something that's like very different from most things on Netflix. Like, cause yeah, Netflix yeah. really has this thing where they want to just have a lot of content. And I think they're starting to realize, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's a ton of content. There's already so much content that sometimes the type of person looking for a good show just wants it to be nice and tight and really good. And I think, uh, they're doing that 
with this. This is like their first shot at it, and it's it's done pretty well, I'm guessing. So mm-hmm. I I, w- I would love for them to continue because it ends on like a cliffhanger. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would love for them to to continue and see what's going to go happen with that. And and I it's kind of something that I've always wanted, which is like kind of like an indie superhero kind of show. Like yeah, th- where I wish like that's where like Marvel did with some of like their B and C characters, where it's like, well, not only Marvel, but like I wish like DC did that, like, and they did do it with like Joker, but like where they're like, hey, we're gonna take a chance, we're gonna give this person like only like fifty million dollars, which is nothing in the studio system, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. let them do whatever they want with like this this property, and, and that's kind of how these things are run. Well, I mean, um, I also like like the setting, like that's it's a nice setting because it's like let's get away from the big cities. Like even when Marvel yeah. works with like small characters, like BC characters, like um, they're, they're always like, you know, it's like, it's like a joke amongst the Marvel Netflix shows where they're like this city, you know, like they're, they're always in New York <laughs> yeah. and it's like, we get it. We're fucking sick of New York. Like it's cool. that This is in like rural <laughs> shitty Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And we're dealing with a different set of, we're dealing with like, you know, poverty. We're dealing with like, you know, uh, the you know the, the coal towns that are being like you know they were decimated after the recession and like you know it's a it's an interesting perspective to throw in a superhero you know totally. and, like, and you don't even get the vibe of superhero you get the vibe of this is a metaphor for like growing up as a teenager and then yeah, totally. it morphs into something more tangible by like the sixth or seventh episode and you're like oh shit yeah it's like not just a like a like a like a metaphor it's becoming like it, it, like an intricate part of the actual like direct plot, yeah. And that 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 makes it interesting. Yeah, I I really like all the actors in this thing. I, we should give like a synopsis. So we give a synopsis for this, but the synopsis for the other show we're talking about, which is Into the Fucking World, is about this seventeen-year-old kid who <laughs> is, thinks he's a psychopath, and this girl who he wants. Uh, he thinks he's a serial killer, basically. Yeah. And the girl, the girl who he thinks he's going to kill first, um, kind of falls in love with him. Eh, kind of, and they they have this like Bonnie and Clyde, like true romance, kind of like high school romance. And they uh-huh. go on, they go on the run. It's I think it's pretty fun. I think I I, I get your I get why you hate it, which is cause it's there a personal is, thing. Because as yeah. soon as I see that, I'm like, we're yeah. done. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I can't I can't really the, I I can tell the show wants you to resympathize with him by the yeah. end. You know, but. Yeah, we both picked five five selections for recommendations. They're all streaming on Netflix currently. Uh, they're they've been pretty good about putting a lot of good stuff on there lately, especially because everybody's trapped in indoors. <laughs> yeah, they're and they're shoving stuff out right now. My first pick um, is from a movie from 2012. Uh, look, nobody liked this movie when it first came out. <laughs> I liked it. I think it's fun. I think it's a cool movie to watch with kids. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's John Carter. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Make your case. Make okay. Your- <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. I, first of all, I, I love the original book. Um, it, the original book is a princess of Mars, uh, written by Ed, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. And, there's uh, i can't defend it it's kind of <laughs> cheesy it's really cheesy it's really cheesy but it's a good kids movie it's just a fun like this guy this this human ends up in mars and he's got to help this princess from mars that's basically it. that's all you got to know it stars taylor kitsch as a human 
that gets sucked up into space. Um, Willem Dafoe is one of the voices. Uh, Samantha Morton, Thomas Hayden Church, Mark Strong plays a villain. It's a shameful pleasure for me to watch this movie. <laughs> It's an Andrew Stanton movie. Yeah, um, yeah. We should we should talk about that. So Andrew Stanton, if if you don't know the name, um, he was like the writer and director of a ton of the Pixar movies. Yeah, the, the last one he did before he left was Wally. Yeah, yeah. So he did as a director. He did. He started out. He did A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, Wally, and then this was his first like live action movie, and it didn't go well. And it, yeah. it, I mean, Disney gave him a shot. Um, because he had done so well with like all the animated movies, and it didn't go so well for Andrew Stanton. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you know I think he was kind of following in the steps of like Brad Bird, right? Because Brad yeah. Bird did a lot of awesome Pixar stuff. Yeah, you know, before that, even did Iron Giant, you know, one of the best animated movies ever made, and then you know he, his jump to Imp- Mission Impossible Four was it's like a lot of people still argue is the best Mission Impossible movie. So it's like. He had a fantastic jump. I think the difference is that Andrew Stanton's choice of initial concept is difficult to do, even in the best of circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a hard is, story to adapt. Like, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, when you're adapting like a classic like this, you're you're already the 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 cards are stacked up against you from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but he really did a good. I think it, where Brad Bird like excelled was that he had a lot of action in his like he had a lot of action in his um his pedigree he has a good sense for it which is why yeah like, they like look even, so good yeah even like in like the incredibles which brad bird did it's really like the action's really well done like he had an eye for it and anderson like uh, a lot of people don't know this but and Marvin, you know this about me. I hate Wally. <laughs> I hate Wally. <laughs> I, I was trying to see if I should just mention, blurt it out. Mention like, it. Wally, your favorite. <laughs> I hate Wally. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it, it just, it's a slow movie. It's a, it's a slow burn, even for an animated movie. And I, it just, he didn't, he didn't have it in him, I think. Um, and so, so Brad Bird did his first live action movie, which was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. That was 2011. And I think that Andrew Stanton was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And <laughs> it just didn't work out for him. I feel yeah. I feel bad because he is a pretty good director when it comes to animated stuff. And you know what? He went back and he um he directed TV stuff. And yeah, I've, I was I've seen say, him. I've yeah. seen him like I his two episodes of Stranger Things were really well done. I thought Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's in there. Yeah, I mean, like he, he's making it work. Yeah, and he did Legion. And so I think he's kind of going back and kind of reverse engineering like his directing career. And I, I hope he I hope he gets a chance to to direct another thing. Because this wasn't badly directed. It just wasn't it wasn't the right project. Especially because yeah, he wrote and directed it. Yeah. It's like it's like if Brad Bird got to do that that earthquake movie before he did Mission Mission Impossible, that would have fucked his career, you know? But it just yeah. happened to be Mission Impossible. You Are know? you talking about um it's like a nineteen eighteen like earthquake movie or something. He was like always like specking. Really? But, yeah, but like no one wanted to do it for yeah. obvious reasons. It's like hard to do an old timey earthquake movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's <know>? true. <laughs> so well, even like yeah. his follow up, his follow up was um Tomorrowland, which is not a very good movie. No, no. Yeah. That so. that that had a lot of issues. Yeah. <laughs> um just 
just just it's just like the the biggest thing is just tonally it's like what do you want to be do you want to be a savior movie or do you want to be like a wonder movie or like everything's fox movie like you don't quite quite yeah i know i know and i wanted to love that movie so much because i'm like i I loved ghost protocol i like brad bird let's see what he does and no clooney let me down man i'm gonna blame clooney (laughs) yeah clooney's almost always attached to a project where you're like that's gonna be okay yeah yeah and he he let us down um what's your first pick um well i had mentioned i am not okay with this but maybe we can move on to no yeah i mentioned something else let's yeah if you have a longer list more mainstream uh Okay, so everyone probably is watching it, going to watch it, but I'll mention it anyway because I want to talk about it. Ozark. Um, you I, the, the third season, which is the new season, season, just came out. It just came like out a couple days ago. Yeah, a couple days ago. So I I watched all of it the Saturday, and uh, I I don't I don't want to spoil anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than so, uh, so I haven't seen it. So kind of give me the pitch of what it is. Oh, of, of Ozark in general. Yeah, I never seen any any of them. Oh, okay. So Breaking Bad, except it's an accountant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So because it's very like, I think the show, the people who run the show will like, they'll, they'll probably say up and down, oh, it's not Breaking Bad, you know, and it, it does change from that initial flavor and premise as the show goes on. But it's very clearly from the same, it's the child of Breaking Bad. Like you can tell. Yeah. And like, you know, it even stars, um, What's his face? Like Jason Bateman from a comedy show, Arrested Development to yeah. Ozark. <laughs> you know, Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle to uh, friggin' Breaking Bad, you know, is, is a similar transplant. And they both make a great dramatic turn. Um, but the, the, the main thing about it is that I think um, Ozark kind of learns from Breaking – like Breaking Bad's a great show. I mean, yeah. I mean, people. So there are some people who, you know, are like, ah, it's overrated, and that's fine. But it's hard to dispute what quality, like writing and stuff, it was. But the main downside, one of the main downsides of Breaking Bad, I would say, despite it being probably one of my favorite shows of all time, is just that um, uh, when it came to like, especially writing female characters, Breaking Bad wrote it pretty, like one note at the best, hmm. like, like. Like a good example is uh, Skyler. Um, Skyler is pretty much written just to be an obstacle for Walt in Breaking Bad. Like she has no character. She basically exists just to tell Walter, why are you being a bad husband? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And then um, when, as, the, as the show goes on, uh, she starts making like complete contradictions. Like there'll be one episode that's saying, that's saying, t- saying why are you killing someone? In the next episode, she'll go, well, why don't you just kill him? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's just to say the opposite to Walt. Um, and you, you would think by the last season of Breaking Bad, like they introduce a new female character, Lydia Rodart Quayle. And you go, OK, new female character. Maybe they'll write her to be better. And then you realize, no, she's just this nervous wreck who has no other character other than she's a nervous wreck. And you're supposed to believe that she's in charge of this side of this criminal empire and you're like that's that's stupid um but ozark like it kind of realizes that that formula when you make it too cent like too centered on the male protagonist in a family especially a family setting with where he has a wife you kind of um start like objectifying that female character and they kind of just become like like a narrative tool and instead 
the a lot of the female characters in the show end up being like some of the most interesting characters compared to 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 the main character whose name's Marty. Okay. Um, and that's that's what makes it fascinating to me. It's that like yes, we're going through a lot of the same motions as Breaking Bad, and that like, uh, you know, we got to launder money in the Ozarks because of shit that went down. But it, but it's really awesome in the sense that like you see every side character grow with the show instead of just turning into like like um like a tool just to keep mm, a narrative okay. interesting. Um, it's very much like like a show where the characters kind of bounce off each other and that creates the plot, which is really satisfying. But you can still see where the plot is plotted out. Like it's not just like let's let's have stuff just bounce around and see where things land. It's like it's still very charted, but it's 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 narratively satisfying that way. It's the type of show where like as I watch it, it's like one of those few shows where you go, shit, I wish I could write like that, or I wish I wrote something <laughs> like that. Where you're like, that's really good. <laughs> like, and it, it doesn't yeah. start off super strong, but it turns into its own like amazing thing, especially like by this season there's so many different players in play now and they're all significant versus like in breaking bad by the end the significance becomes basically three characters and that's kind of a shame yeah yeah i i was kind of like i was i was kind of i kind of fear that for like because i've been watching i watch narcos mexico yeah yeah and i was i was kind of like scared that that was like they were gonna because for the most part, like the people who started the cartel were, were, were good, were dudes. Yeah. And, but as of like, when you get to like the late eighties, early nineties, the people who took over were the people who didn't go to jail, who didn't, you know, get killed, which were the wives, the sisters of all the, the narcos. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I was glad to see that at the end, it kind of started to, the, like the tide turned and they gave the female characters like a lot of, a lot of screen time, which I hope season three is a lot more of, of them because um, they're really good characters, really good actors, and it's it's really well written by the end of season two. Yeah, I've I th- I think when I initially watched Narcos Mexico, like at first the pacing was so fast that it threw me off. Like mm-hmm. like he goes from basically country cop to head of empire in three episodes <laughs> so you're yeah. like you're like holy shit he, what what kind of magician is this guy <laughs> <laughs> so narratively you kind of you kind of are like um a little um a little confused but then uh as as you keep watching you go well it's because he's really crafty yeah and then by the end like you know like some of the character turns are crazy but you know that i'm not gonna spoil the twist but that twist at the ending of the first season yeah, and then the way it ties into the the characters that show up in the second season, it's so, it's, it's such a good gimmick. Like I love it. <laughs> yeah, like I, that, I, that type of gimmick where like it it narratively kind of fucks with what was going on the whole time. <laughs> like, I, I follow a lot of like the things that are happening politically, and like well, I have always followed it. I mean, I'm I'm Mexican American. I've always followed it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been in the know, and. And I always thought when they first started the show, I was like, well, even when before the show, but when, when it was just Narcos, I'm like, eventually we have to link it up to Mexico because uh-huh, uh-huh. it, it catches up. And they did. And I was like, okay, okay. Now they linked it up. Now they have to, they either have to do 10 seasons or they're going to have to like really speed it up because <laughs> so many things happened in like the span of like 10 years. 
that's true so many things happened and i'm glad that they're getting to like the people who like when the jail people got killed and the people who like eventually took over once like the that political party fell fell like fell down uh, and what came of it and it's it's really interesting and i also like the political stuff that they're doing on that show as well yeah, I mean, like, I, I I understand why it was so fast at the beginning, because, like, a lot of what he was doing is just going around to people convincing them, right? He yeah. He had to do it for, like, basically seven or eight cartels at once. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, if you paste it the way you paste most other shows, it, like, every episode would be him sitting down with the cartel <laughs> like going, yeah. so what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, you know? let me tell you why you shouldn't kill me and why you should join us. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the same clever thing I just did at the end of the first episode. <laughs> seven more times so so <laughs> um, so, yeah. so, um, so there you got you got two for one recommendations you got narcos and you got <laughs> ozarks ozarks yeah, yeah. it's on its third season right yeah, yeah that's what just came out yeah it just finished third season and uh it is it's uh it's it's, start, it's starting to become very much like i i characterize it as breaking bad with an accountant at the beginning okay um you know what half- i've only seen breaking bad i've only seen the first season of breaking bad Oh, I see. That's fine because um, uh, it, it it's that's. No, the I mean, it makes it makes sense to me what you what you're saying, but I'm just saying like, I'm just telling you, I literally it, it, there's so many damn shows I gotta catch. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, so so uh, Ozark season three, uh, Narcos Mexico season two. Uh, <laughs> that those are those are our picks. Um, my next pick is from 2016. It's a really fun movie i think i think it moves pretty fast it's really fast and witty um and there's a lot of action in it and um it is 2016's free fire directed by ben wheatley i really love this movie it's just so witty it's got it stars um i could i always butcher this guy's name is it charl charl copley Oh, Charlton Copley. Charles Copley. Yeah. That see, I was very, I was very close. Um, people who have listened to the show know I'm notorious. I'm notoriously known for butchering names. Free um, <laughs> Larson, Army Hammer, um, Killing Murphy, uh, Sam Riley, and uh, Noah Taylor. People who who you would recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, it, have you seen this, Marvin? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's I, just yeah. It's just like if you want, if you want like, because you can tell. The, you know the, the the chamber piece style of it is to like it's it's very clearly for budgetary reasons you can oh, yeah, tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like they make the hell they use the hell out of it and it's like there's no, there's it's like use every part of the buffalo sort of thing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, and it's, it's like it, it's just satisfying as well because like um who did choreography because we're because it's actually like pretty pretty kind of satisfying to watch sort of thing and and also too like a lot of these like shoot 'em ups that aren't done well you watch them and the geography is all messed up like you're like where are we are we in the same room where are we and this makes perfect sense like every time like it cuts from character to character and you always know where people are at and it's chaotic um for the people who um want to know the synopsis it's set in boston in 1978 and it's a meeting um of these like two gangsters that are going to exchange money for guns. They're buying guns and there's the people buying the guns and then the gangsters selling the guns and they meet in a deserted warehouse. And one of them is may or may not be an undercover cop and a shootout 
ensues and they get trapped in the warehouse and no one could leave because they're all pinned down. And it's just a lot of funny characters um, saying funny things and, and shooting each other. It's just fun. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the premise almost uh, gives way <laughs> in the first like 15 minutes or so and it just turns into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like this version of Army Hammer. Like if he had been. <laughs> Uh, he sometimes he's he's not charismatic at all and mm-hmm. and sometimes they let him be himself and i think i think he's a much he's a better as a as a comedic actor than he is as like the leading like dramatic guy oh I yeah think. like what was that fucking cowboy movie what was that um oh the lone J- ranger John- yeah <laughs> oh, oh my goodness yeah that was not good that was not like, a good I turn to for play him. charming like charming protagonist <laughs> it's just like yeah you just fucking like Johnny Depp caricature stuck on his side, and you're like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I like when he kind of plays like the dirtbag. Yeah, he, he does yeah. it well. He does it well because he's like, he's kind of like really good looking, but really charming, and he get away with a lot of things. I really actually liked him in The Man from Uncle. Yeah, that that was actually um, I was surprised by how like interesting that movie would be, like because it's not. It's like you would think, why are we remaking this movie? Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. all movies. <laughs> but Guy Ritchie did a really good job of like keeping it light and like everyone's funny in it. And I, I wish we would have seen that. Um, uh, what's the guy who played Superman? Oh, um, shit! Not Arnie. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Superman. <laughs> uh, the guy from the the guy who the Man of Steel guy. Yeah, yeah. I oh, can't fuck, remember his name. Fucking, Henry Cavill. I'm so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah, if he yeah, had yeah. been that charming in Superman, it would have been amazing. It yeah. would have been great. But he didn't. He chose to play no it like, like Batman. <laughs> yeah. No. One, well, no one would let him. That's true. That's he true. Had to, he, had, he had to play dour. I don't want to save anyone, Superman. Well, so. your your name, your mom's name is Martha. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your next pick, Marvin? So next pick, um, if we're doing dates, uh, this one came out last year um, in September of 2019, at least on Netflix, I think. Um, mm. I, don't, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's actually a UK show, so I don't know if it actually released elsewhere. Oh. At least in America, it's on Netflix. It's Criminal UK. Um, and this is a TV show where um, – like you, it's funny you're mentioning like you know European style seasons. Mm-hmm. This is only three episodes for this season. I love that. I love yeah. that. And it's and it's like and it's interesting because Criminal, as far as I can tell, it's called Criminal UK because they also have Criminal Spain and I think another Criminal like from different countries, and I think they all just share the same set, but like have really? char- yeah, but just have characters from their own. It's it's really fascinating. It's like basically the premise is. Um, the part of law and order where the 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 on the foot interrogation or on the foot investigation where they're going out and doing stuff, mm-hmm. all that's over. The only part they're doing now is the interrogation in the room. But this interrogation center is like some sort of super like hyper modern looking facility, and like there's all these like setups with like mirrors and like this really fast like like really um like high tech looking lighting and stuff. It looks like hyper modern. And then basically they just have three, um, uh, three like stars step in and um, kind of just be interrogated as the criminal. So mm. like, yeah. So for example, uh, the first episode is um, 
uh, what's his face? David Tennant. Yeah, from he's, Doctor Who. He's the criminal. He's the criminal. Oh, wow. Which is, which is like really – I love when David Tennant plays assholes. It's like why 100%, Jessica Jones is really fascinating to watch. Yes. Because like, when he's likable, he's like, oh, he's likable because he seems like a nice guy in general. And, you know, and like – um you know so it just plays right in so it it like clashes in a really interesting way when he plays a horrible person and then uh it, he's like he plays basically like um the father of a daughter who's missing and they're like interrogating him and then like the it's like written like a really good short story where um the he keeps replying just no comment no comment or <laughs> the entire time and it's like i can see where I can see the screenplay because <laughs> it's yeah. so focused, but it's, it's the acting's really good. Um, second episode stars, uh, Haley Atwell, you know, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. From yeah, Captain America. It, yeah. Captain America's, uh, love uh, interest main squeeze. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and like, she gives a performance that's like also very different from what I've seen her before. And so, um, it's just like very concentrated chamber pieces and there's like kind of a minor, like narrative through point between the detectives who are involved. Cause it's always the same detectives. Oh, okay. This is like their police station. So that the detectives have like a kind of a through point backstory going through, but it's so light. It's like, you know, somewhere in the beginning, the middle and the end of the episode, they kind of just go, how's that thing going? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. But I'll see you next time. You know, type of thing. But, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's, it's great because it's like, if if you if you want to like kind of strip away everything that's kind of like a, like just icing about a show and just get straight down to like what's the really good part of a police procedural and just do it hyper well like there's a reason they only spent three episodes worth on it because the cast they they clearly just rehearsed the shit out of it and just uh killed it with the performances and it's like mm. it's it's one of those where it's it's a it's a joy to watch just because you're you're watching people who are really good at their craft act and kind of just go through basically explaining an entire criminal story through revelations by just talking which shouldn't be interesting like you know you know shows and movies should be show don't tell but they're okay, all telling, but you know, it, but it's, it's great. It he, doesn't it, feel it, like, go ahead. Do, go does ahead. it feel like a play kind of as well? Like if, does it feel like it could say, have been play? No, that's, that's about to say it doesn't work as a play, I think, because they, they go in and out of like the environment and the, and the, the lighting and the cinematography feels so integral to the mood. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you viewed it as a play, you would get the great performances, but you wouldn't get a lot of the mood, I think. Because the lighting oh, okay, okay. is a lot of the mood, like you know, they, they have that they have that stereotypical lighting where, um, you know, uh, the interrogation room is lit brightly, but then through the one way glass, it's like dark inside and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but it's lit in a way where it's like, for example, there's a plot point where they realize, um, uh, a tell that the detectives tell each other when they say we should swap out detectives is they turn on the air conditioning. Like, wow. There's no way you can really easily portray that through a play yeah yeah they only work because when they turn on the air conditioning a piece of paper started fluttering slightly (laughs) Uh, okay 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 you know so it's like like, that's really cool i I, you had me with that (laughs) yeah it's so subtle and really cool that i'm like this is a this is something that um i i really hope they continue with 
these seasons. I mean, it's it's your it's UK stuff, so it's very possible that we're done. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're known for that. Like, I mean, look at look at The Office. The Office was like what three seasons? So yeah, two, even two after and a special. all the American stuff, like Ricky Gervais is like, "Fuck, I'm not doing this again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the same creator as um, he did. Um, so he did Criminal UK. He did The Hour. Um, which is uh, my oh, wife yeah, loves, yeah. and he did um, Killing Eve, which is airing okay. now. That I didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the tone. Um, I, I I'm telling you, the the British seasons are the way to go. There's no filler. <laughs> it's just like you get two to four episodes tops, and they're a little more than an hour, and you're done. Did you yeah. by any chance see? Um, it was a co-production with Netflix and BBC. Um, Dracula. I never got a chance to see it. Like okay. I would see that, like that meme of the really cool ad mm-hmm. and that made me want to like, Oh, what's going on here? You know, I wanted to take it out, but I never actually got to. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was really cool. It was, it's three episodes, but the episodes are like an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. So it's like three movies oh, and man. they're really well done. They're really well done. It's the same team that did Sherlock. Okay. Um, so it's, and the actor who plays Dracula is, amazing he's he's doing some top-notch acting is it like is it like crazy produced like sherlock is yes it is it is 100 you know like sherlock will have shots where like let's have a matrix shot for this and you're like okay <laughs> you know yeah this is like, it, this there's, like a, there's a lot of that um okay. and it's it just goes like the storytelling is really interesting it's the same thing that what i like about sherlock is that you're like oh i didn't expect it to go this way but all right okay Let's go with it. Um, like the first episode is kind of like the book. I mean, it follows like the the classic Dracula story, and then episode two and three like really, really go off the rails. Especially three, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, um, but in a good way. I I, I really enjoyed it, and, and it, it had something good to say. Like everyone's done their Dracula version. Like you know, like. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola has done it. You, you you tell me the director and they've done their own version of Dracula. Yeah, but this one definitely private. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and he definitely had like something interesting to say about like humanity and like immortality. Like like looking at that. Like I know people were like, we all secretly know that we're we're gonna die, but <laughs> I I think somehow we were like well. You know, if I could, if I couldn't die, like that'd be very interesting. But he puts in the very like he puts a different perspective to it in this in okay. the show, and I really, I really like that stuff. It's very um, existential, and I, I enjoy that. So it's like it's like he he's using Dracula or the premise of Dracula to kind of explore themes versus like telling a Dracula story. Yeah, yeah. I I mean. Uh, I think all the themes of Dracula have always been like religion and like eroticism and yeah, how those yeah. two like uh, butt heads. Uh, but this one is totally about like life and, and mortality and how fragile life is. It was really weird. It, it's you, you got to watch it. It's really interesting, especially the third episode. The first two episodes are like just classic Dracula storytelling. But the third episode really is where it kind of comes together and you're like, oh man, that's what I was that's what I was seeing. That's <laughs> and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and like Van Helsing's done in a very interesting way. Everything's done 
Oh, Van Helsing's in it. Okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Uh, but We're I think fucked you, now. We're yeah, fucked. yeah. You should watch it. Um, that's also streaming on Netflix now, and that's yeah. all. That all will be streaming because that that was a co-production with Netflix. Um, all right. My next pick is from 2017. It's um, these writer directors have a new movie came that came out this year, and I it's one of my favorite movies of the year. But um, this is their second movie, I think, second feature that got produced. Uh, it's called Good Time. It's the Safdie brothers. Like uh, they did. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. They did yeah, Uncut yeah. Gems this year. Yes. Um, but Good Time is uh, it stars Robert Pattinson. I know what you're saying. No, the no, the guy, the guy from Twilight. No, He's I think. Okay, here's good. the thing. I think if anyone at this point makes fun of him by saying, "Oh, the Twilight guy," they have not seen any of his recent work and are just making yeah. assumptions at this point. Like he's yeah. a really fucking good actor. Yeah. And I actually feel bad for all those years that I called him the Twilight guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the movie that kind of changed. I mean, I had seen him before in, in dramatic things, but like, this is the one where like, you're like, I don't recognize the other guy, you know, like you're like, wow. he, he's doing some like, deep level like acting stuff that you're like i don't recognize the guy from twilight it's not the same human you know like you're like right. this is it's it's kind of like I'll, it's kind of like De Niro stuff like in like raging bull where you're like he's he's going deep um so have you seen this by any chance no no what's the premise so basically um it's these two brothers one's like special needs one is played by robert pattinson mm-hmm. and the other is played by um one of the directors, uh, Benny Safdie, um, he, um, Benny Safdie plays the like uh, special needs type brother. He's like, mm-hmm. he's a little, he's deaf, but he's also got like a learning disability. And um, Robert Pattinson plays Connie, the older brother who is like constantly getting into trouble uh-huh. and getting his brother into trouble, you know, by having him tag along and, mm-hmm they botch a robbery, a bank robbery in the beginning of the movie. And it's, have you seen Uncut Gems by any chance? Uh, I haven't had a chance to actually okay. watch all of it in one but sitting. sitting you, you did see a little bit of it, right? Yeah. 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 You know it's how, just like, fucking yelling in anger. Yeah. And, <laughs> exactly. And, and just like watching somebody like dig themselves deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And like both good time and uncut gems, they are like an exercise in anxiety on screen. Like, <laughs> oh like, yeah, Uncut Gems is like that's partially why I stopped. Yeah, it's just yeah. like we gotta we gotta slow our roll. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a definitely a movie where if you're if you're not doing okay right now in the situation you're in, <laughs> maybe don't watch this movie because <laughs> it's gonna take you to a dark place. Because yeah, yeah. because of the anxiety levels that just keep rising and rising and and. They do a really good job of like some movies can't can't do that because you're like I just can't take this I'm gonna turn it off but like <laughs> the characters are so interesting and you want to keep watching and you want to see where these people end up that um they're really good like even like Adam Sandler's character in like Uncut Gems like you want to know whether he makes it at the end or not you know yeah yeah um, and same thing with Robert Pattinson and he he's he's doing horrible things but you're like come on like this one just don't do this one. Like, go a different way. And nope, he does it. He does what you don't want him to do, and it's really <laughs> well done. Um, oh, it's, it's that character. Yeah, yeah. it's two hours of, like, a, a bank robbery gone wrong, and then, like, him digging 
his way deeper into a bigger problem. And it's really well done. I, these guys are one of my favorite like directors of like, the last couple of years. Like they, they're doing some like interesting stuff and I like the tone that they, that they put on screen and it's very different and they have a very like, interesting voice and i very brutal and blunt like type of storytelling where you 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 like from what i've seen from the first part of uncut gems it's like you watch it and you're like this is like a like a sledgehammer movie yeah yeah (laughs) where you're like it this this hits hits really hard like you're right like if you're not prepared you kind of have to be like i'm gonna take a breath (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those movies where it worked best in theaters because you can't leave. Like you're stuck. Yeah, you're like yeah, I can't. Yeah. You can't turn it off. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck in your seat for two hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it, it. Though I do say, if you're watching it at home, at least you have that that chance to like. Okay, I'm gonna pause it, get some popcorn, and relax a little bit. <laughs> Maybe and, you shouldn't. Maybe you should get assaulted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't get don't get don't put salt. You don't want any more insulting your body. Your heart rate's gonna go up. Um. I the people who I went to see um uncut gems with, I think. Well, no, it wasn't someone I went to see. Someone, my friend went to go see it with. They said that their um, Apple Watch gave them an alert that their heart rate was was abnormal. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it's like it's like when people were watching Passion of the Christ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, you you better you better take a breather here. Um, but yeah, it, it's really well done, and it's just from like the cinematography to the music, it's just it, it's a it's a very wildly different voice than we've heard in a long time and i everyone keeps saying like give them a big movie give them like a, Mar- a marvel movie and stuff but i'm like no like they have such a i want to know what original stuff they come up with um and like their follow-up to good time was like uncut gems and like that's that was amazing i mean man if they got a marvel movie that would be really weird yeah like, but might yeah. be int- like like james gunn got a marvel movie right that's true that's true that's <laughs> like true. after fucking slither and super like, I mean, there's literally a rape in Super. I know. It's like, and then people were, it's, it's okay, just a little sideways. Like, it, it was a little ridiculous when people were like, oh, I can't believe James Gunn would say those things. And it's like, have you seen his movies? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would you have hired him in the first place if you were afraid of this? <laughs> He's fucking James Gunn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just watch one of his non Marvel movies and, and, and oh, tell God, me, go back, go back to his trauma days. Jesus Christ! It's I like, forget. About, I always forget about that. It's like it's such. It's so out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that was my pick. What is your next pick? Well, um, I just realized we're doing a lot of movies, so maybe I should I should pick a movie too. Um, it's it's a pretty big example i think but i think despite it having been oscar nominated last year uh i don't think that many people saw it um because it is um kind of a kind of a bland premise at face value marriage story um did you have a chance to watch it i did i did yeah so you know in in general i think noah bombach right yeah i i loved uh um the the what was it called the, the whale sorry squid, squid the, whale. the whale yeah yeah so I, I was i was very into that and i saw the rest of his as his as his career went on i seen more movies i'm like actually this is the one movie of his i like <laughs> and then until marriage story and then i feel like marriage story i think he i think he he make he writes good movies when when he writes 
stuff that's directly related to his own life. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. he's making other movies, like um, like the Meyerowitz stories was like, I I get where the craft is in this movie. I just don't care about these characters at all. I think we've we've discussed that before, <laughs> just yeah, randomly yeah. on another occasion. Uh, you, I think you and me, you, me and Marcel have randomly discussed that randomly. Um, but then, I think because he's able to like because Marriage Story is very transparently based on his own divorce, and exactly. Much much like how Squid and the Whale was directly based on him watching his parents' divorce. Um, so it's just interesting because he always gets good act. He always knows how to cast really well and then let the actors do their thing in a very um, effective way. Like all of his movies have great acting since the very mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, It's always been a strong point. The problem has always been, and I think he's admitted it in the past, is that his characters tend to not necessarily be relatable or likable. And, you know, you can have unlikable characters and still be, you know, super drawn to them, like Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Yeah. But he, they need to be mesmerizing in some way. And I think that has, for me at least, that didn't happen again till Marriage Story, where I can tell Adam Driver's character at the beginning is a jerk. Um, and I can tell that Scarlett Johansson is secretly really revealed to be kind of a jerk. But I also like kind of see both their points of view and it becomes just an interesting character study of like a love story where people, the, the love is falling apart in like a traumatic way. And you're like, that's good. I like it. Yeah. It, it yeah. feels real. I mean, like the fact that they're both rich kind of like is drawn from him being rich at this point. So it's like, okay, I get it. Um, You know, but despite them being in like a separate, like, you know, economic class altogether you still go but you know they're still it doesn't matter they're going through the same feelings you know the, 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 the themes are very universal because that's a universal theme like divorce is definitely a universal thing that happens to rich the poor it, it i i totally agree with i've liked a lot of his movies because he has hateable character <laughs> <laughs> i think that's one of the reasons i i like his movies is because you're like he's he he's not he doesn't apologize for it. He's like, ah, oh, these people are pieces of shit. But yeah. the world is filled with pieces of shit. So let's just watch these people for two hours. <laughs> but- well, to me, it was like because like uh, uh, like Greenberg, right? Like so, yeah. Like it's like we're supposed to like not just like follow kind of a shitty person, but also kind of go, but you know, sympathize with them. I'm like, I have no sympathy for him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's, it's that's it's a hard ask. Issue. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue. Whereas. Um, squid and the squid and the whale. You implicitly feel for like you're not supposed to sympathize with the the parents. You're supposed to sympathize with the kids, and immediately you just do because it's kid. Their kids in a bad situation. Yeah, and I and sympathy isn't the only way to be drawn into the character, obviously. But um, it just it just is a easy way if everything around it is shitty. And I think Marriage Story really really leverages that it's like i you're you're shitty people but i you know the the, like divorce happens to anyone like it doesn't matter yeah and it doesn't matter how rich you are i mean like even jeff bezos got divorced right he's he's lost half his money yeah yeah you know it's it's still shit so i I think you're 100 right like it's kind of like it's what the um the parasite director said like that Martin Scorsese said. So he was quoting Martin Scorsese, which is like right personal, like right personal, like the most personal things that, that, um, no Bombach has done has been the things that 
are most relatable and they're the ones that we like the most. Like the only other thing that I think that I really enjoyed of his, um, besides the squid and the whale, I mean, I always find something that I like about the movies, but the ones that I'm like, like stand out for me are the squid and the whale marriage story and Francis Ha. And that's mm. because that's because Greta Gerwig wrote it with him. So it was, yeah, it was her huge, version. Yeah. I have to admit Francis Ha has a lot going for it. And yeah. part, I mean, also the performance she gives is like, like, I mean, it's the reason why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the reason why he got a divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> she was she she entranced him so much in this course of the movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and yeah. and I, it's funny because like Marriage Story, like everybody that I know I've seen it, they're like I, even if it's like one little line, one little thing, one little emotion, they're like I recognize something in that in me that I saw and like it, it definitely like, it's a difficult movie to watch. <laughs> yeah. It gets very uncomfortable in that one fight yeah. um, in the, in the apartment when, when he's in his temp apartment and you're like, Ooh, Jesus Christ. This is yeah. very familiar. <laughs> it, it definitely feel, it definitely feels familiar, but it also, it's like, it's kind of like watching, like when you're at somebody's house and like, your your oh, couple yeah. friend friends start like arguing you're like oh man it went from like playful to like it got real yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like but for two hours and you're like should i leave yeah i'm not sure where, if i should leave <laughs> where where do i stand can i just walk out of this thing can i can i disappear this is a very small apartment i can't yeah. i can't just sit in the bathroom <laughs> and, and they're blocking the door yeah <laughs> um but no yeah, yeah that that's a definitely good movie um and it, it came out last year it was nominated yeah. for an Oscar. Did he win the Oscar? It won just for Laura Dern, I believe. Um, Which is a weird win. Like it's she's in it for like five minutes. Granted, she's it's as the Oscars often are. It's you know it's it's a matter of politics and positioning, yeah. right? And I, I think just for the best supporting actress position, she she was clearly the person. Yeah, it's it was it was nominated for a ton of stuff like best director, best screenplay, best picture, etc. Um, it's just, I think just the positioning of all the other movies, like Parasite just killed it that year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it was just hard for it to really compete. I, I like, I like the, the, the scripts that no Bombback has like co-written with like Wes Anderson because it's a, it's a pretty like funny, like filmography as a writer. It's like yeah. the life aquatic, um, the fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and then like serious stuff like marriage story uh, well, to- i think i think it helps because i think like you know it, like pure undistilled uh wes anderson is um bottle rocket right where yeah. it's just kind of just like this is this is his idealized version of of um being a a ne'er-do-well in like you know growing up sort of yeah. thing and that's fine but like none of it feels at stake. No, there's feels like there's nothing at stake ever. And I think whenever you bring Noah Bobak in, he figures out with that type of story, he fills out a he figures out a way to like bring in emotional stakes into it. Like fucking fantastic Mr. Fox has emotional stakes. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I think totally. I think a lot of that is his insert because I think yeah. he he's very good at um taking like fairly mundane situations and realizing that people if if characters have emotional investment in what's going on then you can you can make it uh feel a lot more not necessarily just relatable but like feel a lot more like um 
there's more happening rather than here's a quirky thing that happened. It's like a quirky thing happened that really fucked up this person's life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, it, 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 it sort of elevates what the, what the actual stakes are going to be. And I think um, he helps a lot with that. Probably if, if, if we're comparing to like earlier um, Wes Anderson where before he was involved. I, I like looking at, um, no bomb X filmography because you're like oh, okay he's got the the stuff with uh with wes anderson okay greenberg oh madagascar three yeah. oh he must have just covered <laughs> no he literally wrote the screenplay for that yeah i don't know uh, I, that that i don't know what's going on well well if you see where it lands like it so he met greta gerwig after greenberg so i'm sure there's something sketchy going on there yeah. he probably started getting divorced around that time and he's like well better load up on money uh, for Madagascar, right? That's that's a timing thing. Oh yeah, man, yeah. I thought it'd be like a Taika ITT thing where Taika was just like randomly approached me, like, "Hey, you uh, you seem to be involved in movies. Would you like to write?" Um, oh fuck, what was that? That that um, oh man, what is that? Uh, Disney animated movie with the Islanders? What's it called? Uh. Um, rock and he sings oh yeah um I'm, god damn it uh moana yeah moana yeah. yeah he was like would you yeah. like to write moana you're brown would you like to yeah <laughs> to write a, write are you interested <laughs> yeah i um, thought it was a similar situation like that and then taika was like you know f- you know what i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i would like um, to write a movie that doesn't stereotype please and they're like well we need some stereotyping <laughs> the, i think the connection there on madagascar is um Ben Stiller. He'd work with mm, Ben Stiller. Sense. That makes and sense. So yeah. it, Ben's it kind like, of, hey, I can help you out here. We're yeah. doing a third one of these. Yeah. You want to make some money, dude? Come, come, come right on this thing for a bit. That's exact. Yeah. That must be it. Yeah. 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 Um, my next pick, uh, where are we? Are we on one, two, three? I've done three. So this is my fourth pick, my fourth recommendation. Um, this is a hard choice because there's a lot of good stuff streaming on Netflix, but I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick something fun and then I'll end it with something dark. Um, okay. The something fun is something that you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't even have to watch it. Like, look, put it on the background. It's something you won't, it's something to distract you from the news. Just put this okay. on, enjoy it. It's from 1988. It's one of the best martial arts movies ever made. Yes. I'm talking about blood sport. It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme, the great international artist known <laughs> by everybody as Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, it's his yeah. first American film, uh, first officially leading man role uh, feature really? film. Was well, that yeah, his first? Wow. Yeah, because he had done like um, The Eagle and the Tiger. He'd done a bunch of stuff with like, um, he had done a bunch of stuff where he played like uh like the villain character or like just a small bit part he was in breaking where he was he was <laughs> he was the uh the extra in breaking um but wait this was, what wait he was in breaking yeah when they're dancing on the beach he's in a like a one piece like oh unitard in the background dancing I, one of my I, favorite movies of all i'm time. going to send you <laughs> the clip of it and i'm going to post it on the film podcast um okay. on their story okay. um but this is, it's amazing because you, you're like, oh, break, we're watching break. Oh my God, that's Jean-Claude Van Damme in the background. <laughs> I never <laughs> caught that. Oh shit. <laughs> oh dude. I've gone on deep dives on Jean-Claude Van Damme, dude. Um, I, honestly, I, I will say this. Uh, 
this is what, like one of the first like movies that my dad took me to go see at the movie theater. Okay, yeah, and yeah. that's why I just was like, I'm in. This guy has got my heart and my eyes. This <laughs> beautiful, beautiful man. Um, so he had done. He did breaking. He was an extra in that. He was in. He played the villain in No Retreat, No Surrender. Mm-hmm. And this was his first leading man, leading role. He also did the same year. He did um, Black Eagle with. Um, Shokasugi. Okay. I don't know if you remember that okay. movie. Yeah. And then and then he kind of he rocketed into into the international star he is now. Yeah, into the um, to the sex symbol he is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie follows and now it's it's come out that this whole story is totally fake and none of it happened. Oh, yeah, that's the that's the crazy disappointing <laughs> part, isn't it? Where like cuz part of part of the intrigue is that you understand that this can't be real. But yeah. it's based on something. But you try to think about what could it really have been, and it turns out nothing. <laughs> yeah. So the movie says based on a true story, yeah. based on the true story of Frank Dukes, an American martial arts military man who gets um, an invitation to a full contact um, tournament, martial arts tournament in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're saying, like that sounds like badass. That could happen. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> fucking happen. No. <laughs> None of this happened. Oh, um, apparently, there might be a thing, a, like Kumite type event, but not like they wouldn't no, let outsiders in. No, 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 one, <laughs> no, no human, no, no human in, in that that has contact to to the news media has ever been invited to that. I'm sure there's no cell phones. There's none of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically Van Dam and like going in this like tournament style like martial arts. Um, tournament and it's beautiful there's all types of fighting um i'm sure street fighter like came out of this right like that it had oh, to yeah 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 right? for sure that, that's um, he got enough capital to be asked by uh the mortal Kombat team would you like to be in mortal Kombat as johnny cage because we actually based johnny cage on you that's right that's right that's right yeah and then he was like no way man i'm gonna do the street fighter movie <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know what street fighter Listen, God he got to, he got he got to to you know get good with Kylie Minogue on that shoot. So really close. <laughs> um, here, here's uh, I have another thing about Street Fighter, but let me finish on Bloodsport. Bloodsport, <laughs> Bloodsport. Um, it's an amazing movie. It's just '80s martial arts movies. It, look, it's very stupid. I get it now. Like I, I'm 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 filtering it through the eyes of like a six year old who wanders into this movie not knowing anything i was way too young to see this movie i don't know what my dad was thinking and and i i am mesmerized by all the goddamn fucking roundhouse kicks this guy's yeah. doing and the, by the way both in this movie and street fighter this beautiful man that has the thickest 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 um <laughs> what, what is it it's kind of like a french accent right because he's from brussels so it's yeah, like yeah yeah it's it's he's got the thickest accent but he's playing an, an all-american yeah. <laughs> and this it's the and charm, it's, it's the 80s that's the 80s yeah look at arnold the, the 80s are actors who don't speak english as their first language playing characters who are american <laughs> i know i know um but this is a beautiful movie um there's the like after this i saw this movie for years i thought man I hope to one day get invited to the Kumite. 
in a fight. In a, like that was like my dream was like one day I want to fight full contact. Like, like the only reason to like live was to get invited to Kumite. And then how sad was I when I found out it was goddamn fake. Oh man. Um, all right. So that's my, that's my fourth pick of my fourth recommendation. I would just also mention just because we brought up the, the topic of a, of a fake, um, uh, of, of fake martial arts. There's a really great YouTube video um, by a, a channel called Super Eye Patch Wolf that actually goes in a deep, deep dive into the world of fake martial arts, and it's really? it's fascinating. Yeah, it's um, it, it, Frank Duke just mentioned and um, other like you know. Uh, they, they talk about the origin of Dim Mock. You know, do you remember like those old oh, comics? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would talk about Dim Mock, and like Dim Mock is. I don't even think it stands for anything. <laughs> I think it's just a made-up word. And then, uh, you know, it, it, anyway, I'm not going to get too much into it here. But it, it's if anyone wants to check it out, because um, it is a it is a fascinating uh, deep dive exploration as to um, what's going on there. I I went on a deep dive on Street Fighter one one mm-hmm. one time, mm-hmm. and I just like anything I could get my hands on. Like this is like. I, I wish this was like, oh, it was in high school. No, this was like a year or two ago. <laughs> and, and like, I found like so many interviews with like the director, Raul Julia, like everybody who was like, they had to move the production from Thailand to like, I want to say some weird like Eastern European country because they couldn't get the male actors out of massage parlors. <laughs> no, yeah, that totally happened. Yeah. Where, um, oh, the best part is that they were also, um, they were contractually obligated to also appear for filming for the video game. Do you remember the the Street Fighter, the movie, the video oh, game? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then like, um, the guy who plays E Honda, he just said fuck it and he just left. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> they, they went to I think it's E Honda. I think that's the character that's missing. Yeah. But they went yeah. they went to his trailer and they were they were like, okay, we're ready to shoot your game parts, and he it was cleared out. He was already gone. <laughs> Yeah, this this is if you like look if you like Bloodsport if you haven't seen any films by John Claude Van Damme do yourself a favor start with this one you know what's a good trilogy to watch just because you get a good like good sense of like what is this guy all about and this guy's career Mm. um, is watch Bloodsport watch I would say watch Hard Target. Mm-hmm. And then watch uh, JCVD. I fucking love JCVD. <laughs> JCVD made me fucking cry, dude. No, I, like, I shit you like, not. I'm, I get you get you get legitimately emotional watching it. If if you've followed this person's career and you, you've seen where it leads to this movie, that scene where he's doing two camera yeah. and starts rising to show mm-hmm. it's a set. Jesus Christ! That's right. That's right. I lost it, dude. And dude, and, and so I'm not like, yeah. For the, for the people like listening, like I joke around a lot about John Van Damme, but this movie, like, so JCVD is a movie where he p- kind of plays he plays himself, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, and he's like back in Brussels, and he's like like a washed up actor, and he like he he can't really do action anymore because he's older, and he gets swept up into this weird like bank robbery thing, and he gives like the best performance. Of, I think that year, dude. I don't know what came out of the year, but he makes you cry. Like when yeah, he's talking I mean, about his career and his like how much he's given to like movies, and it's it's a beautiful fucking performance. And it's like 
it doesn't like it doesn't necessarily even forego the fact that he's still physically a great action star too. It, it starts off with one of the best action scenes he's ever had in a movie. It's a one taker too. <laughs> yeah, that one taker. You're like, yeah. Jesus, this is awesome. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, it's 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 cinematic like purity of how much it loves Jean Claude Van Damme. And it really tries to treat him with a reverence while understanding his flaws. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a it, if you if you want to watch three movies by John Claude Van, Damme, those are the three: Bloodsport, Hard Target, and JCVD. Uh, beautiful oh, yeah. movies. Yeah, what is uh, what is your last pick, Marvin? Oh, I got one pick left, huh? Hmm. Yeah, we're, we're, we've arrived at five. We're arrived at five. Okay, well, if we got one left. Um, I will say let's go back to around the same period as well. I, oh. I thought this is the movie you were going to mention at first, and I got super excited. But I was still excited. But uh, this is the movie I thought you were going to you were going to talk about. Back to 1990. Um, let's go back to a certain comic book independent movie. Oh, called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, um, so um, I was speaking with a friend about this uh, about a year ago, and he said. Dude, I rewatched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It does not hold up. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know, man. Let me go watch it again. And he was fucking wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. This movie, it's legitimately well constructed as a movie, just structurally. And yeah. the things they do to kind of change the way, like the way Raphael uh, meets up with, uh, with Casey Jones and the way April O'Neil is kind of built into the story. And like, though, like, it's legitimately heartbreaking when you see Raphael thrown through that skylight and you're like, oh my God, they, they kicked the shit out of him. He's almost dead. <laughs> and you're like, and uh, it's it's a legitimately well-made movie. One of Sam Rockwell's early uh, earliest roles. Uh, he plays he, like like thug number three or something. He plays like the main thug. Yeah. Like, yeah. Of, of the guys who aren't ninjas, he plays yeah, yeah. the main guy. And I've always remembered the scene where he's like, he's giving these teenagers the tour. And then he goes, check out this place. It's like, yo, it's a bunch of uh, people who are like, they're just uh, skateboarding indoors and like <laughs> tagging their own property. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> and then uh, he goes, all right. You want you want regular or menthol? <laughs> this <laughs> is great because two this cartons is, of cigarettes. This is a kids movie. This yeah. is a kids movie from like what is it ninety? You said ninety? Nineteen ninety. Yeah. And there's they're giving kids fucking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, and and the kids immediately go menthol. <laughs> and okay, the crazy part. Okay, uh, no no studio would actually take this movie. Uh, yeah. They said there was no way this movie was going to make any money. So it's actually completely independently produced. And I think at the time it was the the, the most successful, like financially successful in the film of all time. And yeah. it's done yeah. with the only recognizable thing is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brand. There's no stars in it. No, like, no. It, uh, the guy who plays uh, the Casey Jones, he, he his, his career hadn't like skyrocketed yet. He's a guy who was he in Law and Order? Um, Elias Coteas. Yeah, yeah. Later on, he um he would he, uh, end up doing other other. Uh, he'd he'd have kind of like a B movie career for a little bit. Like yeah, but like he ended up in like I think he was in Zodiac. You know, yeah, as, yeah, as a yeah. character, yeah. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He he like he's a character you would recognize in like everything um he was like he was in um 
a bunch of TV stuff. He just recently he's on like Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD. He's in all the Chicago shows. Yeah, he was in the Killing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's a, he, when you see his face, you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, he plays Casey Jones, and basically, so he wasn't even a star then. So it was basically like zero stars. Yeah. Nobody famous is in this. It's just the Turtles IP, uh, which wasn't even an IP back then. Um, it's yeah, just that's true. Like we have this memory of it being a huge deal back then, but it still actually wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I I, I too have just rewatched it because because I was showing it to my kid, and it definitely holds up. Yeah. It definitely holds up. The thing that always so if you know a, a lot of people will watch. The, the trilogy, you know, in order, right? Yeah. The thing that always surprises me when I watch the first movie is that the animatronics and the turtles are so good. They're like dark crystal level of like really, really well animated. Yeah. To the and point the- where like if you watch the next one, Secret of the Ooze, you're like, what the hell happened? They look yeah. so different and look they look so crappy by comparison. It's it's kind of amazing. I also like that the the people who play the voices with, um of the turtles, they have like random cameos in the movie because they're like, we oh, want yeah, some yeah. screen time. So like the guy who delivers pizza to them is one of them. Uh, oh, I forget the rest, but yeah, they're just sprinkled throughout the movie. And it's like, you know, it's it's a genuinely, it, you act like, it's a weird movie because for like, what's ostensibly a comic book superhero movie. There's a whole sequence yeah. where they do an Avengers, we're going to hang out in a cabin style thing. And they just hang out for a bit. And you just, there's just scenes of Casey Jones preparing salad with a katana. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is a scene of Casey Jones and April sitting on um, that that uh, porch bench, and then like the bench just breaks. And from what I understand, that bench breaking was a was not supposed to happen. Yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> it was an accident. Yeah, and then, so they um, they decided just like that's good. He responded well. That's a, that's a take and. <laughs> It's a, it's actually a really interesting uh, knowing that it was actually like a kind of a low budget for that type of it's I'm looking at it now it's only 13.5 million like for a movie that has that level of animatronics and needed like a like all those ninja extras and yeah. all these different types of sets it's like that's actually incredible that they managed to pull it off that convincingly it's in like 8 million is going to like animatronics and like yeah. costumes <laughs> And, um, and it didn't it didn't like kind of uh mess around with like it was willing to get dark like it got, it got really dark yeah like splinter is like basically crucified on a chain link fence yeah <laughs> like, yeah and they beat the shit out of him and then like the way shredder fights the turtles is extremely brutal and like you know yeah it's it's a great movie uh the only i guess the only recognizable name when this movie first came out would be Corey Feldman, who played, who does the voice of Donatello. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but true. That's, that's it. True. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This this definitely holds up. I look. I like the cartoons. I like this movie, but and I like three because there's time travel, and I'm I'm a sucker for time travel. But really, this I think this one set the bar so high that that it's hard to kind of enjoy the other the sequels as much as because the sequels don't hold up definitely don't hold up they don't, they don't. that's the disappointing part but part of it is also that it's almost a miracle this movie's this good yeah like, yeah because the, the initial concept of ninja turtles was kind of like even though it's presented really like darkly like it's a joke right the, the, yeah, the yeah foot totally, is, a, totally. is a parody of the hand you know yeah. the fact that they're turtles and a rat is supposed to be a joke in general totally. um on on and the, the fact that the ooze is what gave them their powers is supposed to be ripping <laughs> off the daredevil but it's just like 
but it, it you take uh, something that should be kind of dumb, and if you treat it, if you treat, it, it goes, just goes to show if you tr- if you carefully treat anything with care, you can actually even with limitations, you can make something that's really good. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think they've managed to really recapture that since. There's been other no, no. turtle things in general, TMNT things that are okay, and some of them are pretty good. Um, but I don't think any of them are like this good capsule of how neatly put together this is. This is this is this is a. Uh, it still holds up, and it's it it gets me every time. <laughs> the um, Netflix is doing this thing where they're going. Uh, the thing is called the movies you loved. Mm-hmm. It's like a series. They go like they did Home Alone, they did Dirty Dancing. I'd love to see them do like an episode of this because it's it's very interesting. They did they covered some of it in a documentary that came out in 2014. I don't know if you saw it. It was called Turtle Power. Oh, I haven't seen that. No, no. It is really good. They go from like they literally go from like um, comic book to like where they're at in 2014. It's really well done. Really well done. And that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's it's gone. That's just, that's the weird thing about the Turtles property. They'll just keep rebooting it over yeah. and over yeah. and over again, like trying to recapture something. But what they really got to do is just stick with the thing that's working and kind of grow it. But they never get a chance to do that. And I, I think that it's part of it's that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. They're kind of just like whatever with the property. They're like, we're making the yeah. money. We don't really, we don't really mind if you want to reboot it again. You know, just keeping just send us our checks. <laughs> yeah. They had no, they did not think this would be as lucrative as it was. No, so, no. Yeah. Um, all right. For my last pick, um, my last recommendation, I'm going to go with 2015's really dark, gritty, kind of neo-noir really it 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 really shook me when i saw this because i didn't i hadn't seen the trailer i hadn't seen anything i just started watching it and i was like what the fuck um it's green room i don't know if you've oh, seen it oh yeah it stars it's one of anton yelchin's like last movies it was yes, it's not his last but it's like part, yeah yeah it's like second or third to the last movies it's uh anton yelchin uh imogen poots um Aaliyah Shrawcat. She played maybe on um, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Stewart playing a villain. Amazing. It's one of his most interesting roles he's ever done. Yes. Um, there's there's a bunch of like character actors that you would recognize, but um, it's written and directed by Jeremy um, Solnier. Mm-hmm. And he did a movie called Blue Ruin before this. And he's like, he's like an indie director. And I had seen Blue Ruin. And I think that's what made me see it this movement and i went without knowing anything and it really blew me away with like the intensity and like where they were going with it and so basically the synopsis is a punk rock band they're forced to like um they, they they're kind of on tour Mm-hmm. And they they take like one last gig, like one gig that wasn't scheduled. It's at this like like bar in this like desolate part of I I think it's like I want to say it's like Oregon or something, some like weird like West Coast like town. It's it's in like the Pacific Northwest in yeah, general. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they actually are that specific about it. No, no, but it it feels like kind of like Oregon, Washington. Um, yeah. and they they get they get um they they're paid to to play at this bar and they kind of need the money they're living out of their van and it's it's a a it's a neo-nazi skinhead bar <laughs> and things go from like oh well it's not so bad i mean they were playing music and and 
and they're paying us. And then something happens in the green room after the concert that kind of changes everything and they're, they're, they're trapped. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to give too, too much spoilers, but it's just really intense and it's really well acted by like every single actor that's in this movie. So I have to make a confession. The main reason I wanted to watch this movie is because I'm a huge a TNG nerd, a Star Trek okay. Next Generation nerd. And then I was like – because Patrick Stewart, um, for those of you who don't know, like in TNG, he's a very much – he is he is the one captain out of all the Star Trek property who's very much reserved and will always go for the, okay, we're going to just talk about this and, and um, negotiate because we are civilized people like like a good example is um there's a there's a have you seen much of tng or no no remember we talked I, I think i talked to you about this like i wanted a list of like the like w- if i could just start on this or because i'm not a big so i've seen the movies i've seen i've seen every single one of the star trek movies mm. and some of the original like um the original like what is it 70s yeah, yeah, the, the original series, yeah. Yeah, but not nothing from from TNG. Yeah, so so TN the movies the TNG movies are very different from the show because uh the, here's a really good example of how extreme his diplomacy is. There is something called the crystalline entity. And the crystalline entity literally is like it's like a moon-sized entity that literally drives by planets and sucks the life off of it. Right? <laughs> so there is a scientist in the in the Federation who is like we need to kill this thing. It is trying to kill all the planets, right? But uh, Picard goes, now hold on. Um, I would argue that the crystalline entity is, you know, its own sentient being. Maybe we should try to communicate with it. And she's like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> like, <laughs> just kill it. And then, uh, so that's Picard. But then Patrick Stewart himself, most people don't realize because their main view of him is is TNG and the X-Men movies, but he's actually a huge bro. <laughs> like uh, like Patrick loves, Stewart? Yeah, Patrick Stewart is a huge bro. Really? Yeah, he loves to like go to bars and like drink and like his favorite thing is off-roading. <laughs> like, Holy shit, man. Yeah, on like ATVs and like and SUVs and shit. That's like yeah. his jam. So even reveals in like um, some BTS for um, I think it's Insurrection where like there's like a scene where there's like a dune buggy uh, in Insurrection and then on the planet. And he's like, yeah, they put that scene in because of me. I told them that I really (laughs) like off-roading. So (laughs) so he decided to put in an off-roading section for me. So then when I see Green Room and I see the premise and I'm like, oh, is this Patrick Stewart going to come out? And it kind of does, and it makes yeah. it yeah. It's it, it's 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 interesting because you're like it, you get to see him act in a way that people don't normally cast him in. I it's, love it, this Patrick Stewart. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. It's interesting seeing these types of people playing villains. And yeah, then you're like, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about like the guys, the actors who just play the nice guy and everything, and then they they do like a villain part because, like, take for instance, like I love Matt Damon. But mm-hmm. after after The Departed, I hated him for like a good two years <laughs> because he just played such a good bad guy. Yeah. And um, Patrick Stewart's the same. Yeah. Like the thing the, – the one I always think of of a, of a really good um, – like for lack of a better term, like fa- baby face actor to like heel turn is like Tom Cruise when he goes to um, – um, what's it called? Uh, co- collateral. 
Yes. Where he plays like the most sociopathic piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's and it's like he's never played a role like it since. So that that no. role remains almost legendary. Like he he'll never play such a jerk ever again. But and I think and I think yeah. that's that's the reason is because you you have like one good turn and then because also like once you do one thing they're like well you got to be that from now on you're just badass at that you know and yeah. I, I think but i would love to see tom cruise because he was so good in collateral yeah. <laughs> so good yeah um but green room um it's just so intense it's it's i i know a lot of movies picks i, I did pick a kid's movie so look I'm gonna give you that, but um, this is really well done. It's really well directed. I've been what would looking. What kids movie be? I did. Uh, well, John Carter from Mars. Is that really a kids movie? Well, it's a, it's it, it was definitely marketed that way. It, it's it's like an it's like a weird like CGI heavy Disney movie. I guess so. It is a Disney movie. They won't let it get that. It was kind of violent in some parts, but it yeah, wasn't yeah. like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was definitely like surprised in, in some of those parts in, yeah. in John Carter. But I would consider that a kid's movie. I would totally I mean, I let my kid watch anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> um in in moderation, but I, I, I'm pretty liberal with the with the things he watches. But um uh, I think that um this one's definitely a heavy movie. It, it, even like all the actors that are in it play a, such like it's off brand for them. Like Anton mm-hmm, Yelchin's mm-hmm. character, like it's definitely he's not like the the leading like action guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that this is action heavy, but it's 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 a different turn for him. It helps um, though because he's like he's playing such like a guy who very feels like like fish out of water and yeah. very much because he looks so he feels so timid at the beginning where you're just like how is he gonna how is this guy Anton Yelchin, I know of him as the Star Trek, <laughs> yeah, like guy who has the lisp. Well, yeah. how will he get out of this? And, you know, it, it uh, it's 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 a it's good contextual casting. Like all, yeah. all, all all this casting is very good contextually with with their current the zeitgeist at that time of yeah. where they were he, known as actors. Even like Imogen Poots, who you, who you're like, oh, this British actress, and she plays like this like dirty punk rock. Yeah girl it's really fucking well done man um that is my pick i'm not gonna tell you more go see it it's streaming go check it out marvin what's your last recommendation okay last recommendation um i thought i was done but okay like i have one more No, i think yeah because i started so you finish it okay this is a this is kind of out of left we a lot of out of left field but stick with me okay all right okay this is an it's because it's an anime and Yeah, and it's um I don't know if many viewers but I I tend to to I I like anime. I'm just going to put it out there, but a lot of anime most people shouldn't watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's kind of crap. Uh but there's one prominent anime that's, you know, feature a lot of Netflix, um uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um so Basically, the world building of this show, it's hard to give a date for it because Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is actually a remake of a previous Full Metal Alchemist show um, that did poorly, which is, is why like it's from, called- From like 2003, right? Yeah. Like it, the first version was um, – just just to uh, ex- explain really quickly, they ran out of manga to adapt. So they started making up their own story and it was shit. So they – when the ma- the manga actually finished, 
they decided to, okay, let's just remake it. But now that we know the whole story for real, let's remake it that way. Um, and it's really interesting because it starts off very anime, right? Um, in the sense that like, look at all it's basically what if magic was science and alchemy was like a thing where you can turn elements into another element really quickly by basically mm. drawing circles so very anime premise um but then you realize it's actually kind of like a metaphor for like the politics of 1930s germany <laughs> oh and and like uh the way uh genocide in general is committed of people of a different skin color <laughs> um and it's it's fascinating because like they always refer to them oh the ishvalans from the east or, or from i think it's the east yeah and it's like oh you mean the middle east okay and ah. this place is actually like the, the the their leader is called fuhrer so you're like okay so you're, you're nazis Okay. Yeah. And but but the characters are part of that Nazi army. So <laughs> their their entire they they initially start off being alchemists because they tried to bring their dead mother back. Um but that's a forbidden thing in alchemy. So because they did it, they they like the experiment went wrong and they lost. Oh, uh, there's two brothers. The first brother loses an arm and a leg and the other brother loses their whole body. So their soul has to be bound to a piece of armor, which is kind of nutty, um, but very anime. And then the whole point is that once you set up all of these world building pieces, you go, okay, and now let the politics begin. And it turns into like this espionage politics driven show where characters start. It reminds me of like... Um, there's there are scenes that almost remind me. Do you remember the first Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise is meeting up with John John Wright again? Yeah, yeah. John Voight again. John Voight, yeah. In the in the in the cafe or in the diner, and he's like, as John Voight's explaining, Tom Cruise is thinking of that's not what really happened, but yeah. he's, but he's talking about what uh, in a way to to please John Voight. Yeah. The show, like the second half of that show, kind of does that all the time. So it becomes very interesting where it becomes sort of like uh, if you create these, all these different political divisions, how would they start clashing? And it's, it's interesting. Uh, normally I wouldn't rec if like normally when I recommend anime to people, I start with like the safe choice is cowboy bebop. So everyone, yeah. if you want to start anime, go watch cowboy. The Netflix is adapting it right now <laughs> uh, because it's that prolific amongst uh, the people who don't watch anime. Um, but that, Bebop, that and like Akira, right? Are like the two big things. Yeah. Like for some reason, Akira, even though Akira is like the, in my opinion, some of the most inaccessible Japanese centric shit ever made. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it starts off with a nuclear explosion in a way that mirrors like Hiroshima. <laughs> like, you know, it's very Japanese, but it's, it's so legendary that, um, that's the thing people get drawn to. That and Evangelion for some reason, even though Evangelion is like, you know, what if Japan combined Christianity and depression <laughs> into a <laughs> robot anime? Uh, but uh, but Cowboy Bebop is very much like, here's jazz in space, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with episodic bounty hunters. And you're like, that's great. But Full Metal Alchemist is like very much in the realm of like, this is super anime. But if, if you're if you're willing to delve into the kind of bullshit that anime is um full metal alchemist brotherhood especially is great because it it this 
it rewards you for for um remembering all of its rules and remembering all of the political factions because they all coalesce in like that last season and you're like oh man it's actually all coming together this wasn't just someone writing like towards nothing it all comes together yeah it it, like there's like 10 different factions each with like five or five to ten different main characters all coming together to form to this one giant thing at the end and like world changing shit happens and you're like, this is awesome. Like everything pays off in a, in a way that's not necessarily satisfying to you because it's not about that, but in a way that makes sense. Like you don't go off, go, you don't, it doesn't end like some other shows where you're like, Oh, that felt good. And that's the end of that story. It's more of like, that's what happens when they all smash into each other. <laughs> and, and this happens. And, and you're, you're talking about full metal alchemist brotherhood. Cause brotherhood. there's another one. There's another one from 2017. So that's right? 2007. So there's been a lot of, I, I don't know which one that might be. That might be the movie. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So the movies in general, I don't know if I would recommend uh, okay. Especially if it's that live action movie you're talking about. That live action movie, <laughs> it's it. This is a, there's a thing about Japan. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't argue because uh, Americans do like they, we did it for Ghost in the Shell. We put Scarlett Johansson in the role oh, of a Japanese yeah. character. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know the, the, his name is Edward Elric, and he has blue eyes and blonde hair, but he's played by a Japanese guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, all right, whatever. But that's not that's not the main problem with the movie. The main problem with the movie is that's bad. Uh, but it's yeah. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm yeah. What I'm looking at right here is the the live action like adaptation. Yeah, don't I guess. watch that. That, watch that 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 will that will make you not want to watch Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> anymore. Um, but watch Brotherhood, Full Metal Brotherhood. Alchemist Brotherhood. There are other movies and like the original series, Full Metal Alchemist. The original is okay it's like a lot of people claim that it's it's like the worst thing in the world and it's honestly not it does end poorly um but given that they ran out of material and they started coming up with material on their own i think it it ended as well as it could them winging it um but full metal alchemist brotherhood is definitely where uh everything kind of coalesces together and it's it's satisfying in the sense that you realize the authors knew where they wanted this to go, and um, everything kind of kind of makes sense thematically, at least. Um, and uh, you know, things that you feel like, well, well, to put it well, to put it in a different way, it's not like things happen because you think they should happen. Things happen because you're like, oh, of course, that's how it happened, and then um, it kind of throws you off that way, but in a good way. Great. I, I I dig that. I, I I hate when like when you're like oh, these you're like two three seasons in and you're like uh, we don't know where the fuck we're going. Yeah, you know, you know, you know that dread you get sometimes yeah. when you're watching a show. This happened to me with Good Place. Even though I really love Good Place now, like especially having completely finished it. But like by the time by the time you're in the third season of Good Place, you're like, okay, how long can they really keep this going? Because this is like it feels like you're writing to keep the show going versus writing to make a good story yeah um uh and full metal alchemist you never get that even though you know it ends there's nothing about the middle of it where you go we're just going to keep going it really feels like there's a goal this whole time and we're we're going towards it and it it, is good and at the end of the day it's a story about you know two kids despite being involved in the military they're learning to grow up and be adults you know 
a lot of good stories are these types of Bildungsromans, right? Where you, yeah, yeah. you, you put it in the context of, a, of, of kids trying to deal with the horrors of the adult world. In this case, the horrors of the adult world is genocide. But <laughs> you know, uh, you gotta you gotta find the context where you can. So that's did that's you full did you like Death Note? The, the the live action? Yeah, the no no the um the anime. Um, how much of the anime is there? I, I, I don't know. There's there's uh, one season. It's thirty seven episodes. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing about Death Note. Death Note. This is funny because this is like a joke amongst people who watch anime. Like, oh, you haven't seen Death Note? Like, as though if it's like the pinnacle of something interesting in anime. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I'm, I'm not into anime at all. Yeah. And so I've, I've seen like what you mentioned. I've seen Akira. I've seen, I've seen, uh, so I've seen Akira. I've seen Cowboy Bebop. And I've seen, what's the one, the, the vampire one? Oh. The really famous uh, vampire one. Uh, is it, uh, not Castlevania. Because you, no, you I, um, is, it's like, American. Like ninety something. Shoot, uh, I know what it, you're. It's at the tip of my tongue. Every, everyone's fucking. Everyone who's into anime has seen it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is I like know. this is like the fourth thing I've seen that's anime, and yeah, I dug uh, it. I really dug it. That's proof. Oh, oh, sorry, Death Note. Death, Death Note. Note. Death Note. Yeah. Okay. So the premise of Death Note, I think, works well if you're like, because you know, sometimes, you, sometimes when you're, let's let's get a little dark. Sometimes when you're you're <laughs> you're yeah. fantasizing, you go, you know, maybe a Death Note would be good. <laughs> yeah. So the, for the people who don't know what Death Note is, it's um it's about this like, uh, it's he's like a weird like god he's like a weird god of death kind of thing, uh, Shimigami, and yeah. he he issues these these Death Notes, which is like a journal, and how if you put somebody's name in it they die in the way you want them to die as long as it's a tangible thing. Like um, you can't say uh, someone that lives in Arizona is going to get bitten by a shark because there's no way for a shark to get to Arizona. You know, like it's just, you'd have to be specific. Like this person goes to an aquarium and then gets eaten. You know, he falls into the aquarium. He he gets eaten by a shark. It's a very specific thing. That's basically the premise of death note. Yeah. And then I wish I had a death note now. (laughs) I mean that's the thing, right? Part of it, part of it is like almost like you know, like like a fantasy that you're watching a character play out in a very yeah. dark way. Yeah, it's out of control because the the rules start being established that the way you use a death note is that because it is, it forces people to die a certain way, it means you can chart out the last moments of their lives very specifically, and as you use the death note, and then um, on top of that, like. Uh, characters are introduced that are like outlandishly brilliant because how else would you be able to keep up with a death note yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um so the the, the show kind of gets off the rails a little bit or the, the really the manga, fast yeah they both do they both do yeah yeah um so so yeah i mean it's it's something that's fun to check out, but also it's one of those animes where you're like, you don't, you don't have to finish it if you don't want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 really good like concept and like just hearing the concept again, I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, the the American movie adaptation was very horrible. Yeah, but William Dafoe plays the. I mean, he's a perfect casting actually. For, yeah. for that um the, the 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 death the death god guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean. I would say like if you have any interest in that 
that that little snippet that we that we just mentioned, which is a, a, a notebook where you could write somebody's name and they die. Fuck it, why not? Check out the movie. It's streaming on Netflix. It's a Netflix yeah. original. It's true. Yeah. Were that was the vampire in me? We're talking about Helsing. No, god damn it. Or is it Vampire or... Vampire Hunter D? Is it? Yeah. Okay. That was that's the other it. one I was gonna think okay. of. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know okay. where it came from. It came out of nowhere, and and, and I just rem- remembered Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, that's just the this is the movie. I think. I think is I don't it? Think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. If, yeah, yeah. But um, that that's basically my all my um my knowledge into into that. Listen, um, the problem the problem with anime, just like other things that you can get too deep into, is that the more you're a fan of it, the more you hate it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true so, so, it's fine I, I i i think it's i think it's it's good when people kind of keep it at like an arm's length and go but that one's good and they grab it and they go yeah let's yeah. watch that one you know that's that's yeah. why i mentioned like specific ones like full metal alchemist or, or... in in moderation everything yeah. in moderation yeah because <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. when you get deep in that anime shit like like right now b stars is on netflix and i i don't know if i'd really recommend people watching stars right now. <laughs> but it's basically furries all really? in a furry world and there shit, dude. there's there's murder and fucking <laughs> it's, it's funny because like if you really get away from like if you get away from your like streaming device on your tv and you you go into log it log into netflix on the on your computer you could really get into some like deep dives if you just like kind of follow like so go like just type in like kurt russell and then find like a random kurt russell movie then type yeah. in click on an actor that that was in that movie that kurt russell movie and just like youtube you can go on an amazing deep dive of like yeah. weird movies on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but those are our recommendations. I'll give a quick, I'll give a recap of my, of my recommendations. Um, John Carter. It's a, it's family friendly movie. Uh, Free Fire. Good time. And uh, Green Room was my last recommendation. Yeah. So what, what did I recommend? Oh, and Bloodsport. And Bloodsport. Sorry. Oh, Bloodsport. Yeah. 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 So I had, I had recommended Criminal UK. Yeah. Uh, Marriage Story. Full Metal Alchemist, Brotherhood, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, and your first one was, I'm uh, trying to blank here. Well, uh, Castlevania, and also yeah. I Am Not Okay With This, and Ozark. Yes. Yeah. I actually That's recommended right. like Ozark. six or, yeah, six or yeah, seven things. Because we, we, went, we went on a it's, deep dive really fast, man. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. These yeah. are, okay, these these... These won't lead lead you astray. I'll just tell you. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're fun watches. Um, what we'll do is we'll do another uh, episode, uh, but we'll do it with like Hulu or Amazon. Gotcha, Anything streaming yeah. free. Oh, and, Amazon. Oof. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's got some. I really like you know some of the stuff Amazon Studios is willing to do just because they they are in competition and they're trying. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, that will be another episode. Um, check us out. Ah, we, we don't really don't have an internet presence like we used to have. Look at if you want to contact us and give us um, for the for the new listeners. We used to, we used to be called the List Film Podcast, and we still do that. So what we did is we would um we would pick we would pick a topic. So it's like say like um top we would do like top five like top five favorite comedies top five favorite movies by tom hanks and that's what we would do and then we started doing different things so we changed the name of the podcast um and we're, we're still going to be doing that we're going to be still doing lists we're going to be doing recommendations we're going to be doing um 
we used to do a segment called um, Director's Cut, which is we go through uh, a director's filmography and we kind of discuss it and we That's kind of break fun. it up. Yeah. Yeah. We break it up into like three, you know, two different, two, three different parts. Uh, the next director we're doing is Tony Scott. Oh, um, so okay. we're making our way through all the Tony Scott movies. And then um, we're going to finish up. We started another series um, called the Canon Film Series, which is where we're watching all the Canon films. Oh, from oh the, man. Yeah. Oh, I wish. I, I, if, you want, if you want to jump on, you got to jump on, man. Um, <laughs> I think we're. Um, if I bl- so I'm going to try to fix the episode so like you can go back and find the canon ones at least mm. um, because we're just kind of rebooting the whole podcast. But um, but bear with me. We'll continue. If, you, if you've been listening before, um, we'll, we'll continue where we left off, which I think was Death Wish 4, I believe, um, in the canon filmography. Um, I'll, I'll look it up, though, and, and I'll make sure we, we pick up where we left off. And um, we're going to be doing more stuff like that. I mean, especially if we're going to be stuck at home, might as well be doing some cool stuff like this. So, Yeah, um, this, is, this is the perfect time yeah, to, yeah. to stay at home and yeah. watch some shit. Especially because, like, all these movies are accessible. Like, now, like, there's no reason. That's one of the things that I love and hate about this is that, like, you can instantly say like, oh man, like Charles Bronson, I'm going to download all his movies right now and you can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't accidentally find things like when you would go to the video store and be like, well, I'm looking for, I'm looking for Antino man, but it's all rented out. Um, I have to rent something. Um, That's um, completely true. Now it's yeah. almost because of the way everything's digital. It's hard to f- have the cult classic come up out of mm-hmm. incidental finding it's yeah. almost always has to be like some sort of like publicity or word of mouth that blows up in a certain weird way. But it's, it's so rare now because you can't accidentally stumble into something. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah. you kind of can by like the recommendations, but you're, you're basing it on like this algorithm that's telling you, well, you like this thing, but sometimes when you would go to the video store, you'd be like, this is nothing. This is nothing. And there's nowhere near the ballpark of what I'm looking for but I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah. It's like, you know, I can't, I came here to, to get a copy of uh, Pacific Rim, but then what the hell is this vampire 3000 movie? Exactly. Or Dracula 3000 movie. Dracula. I don't know. Let's go watch this shit. What is this? And yeah. you, you, it's, it turns out it's got um, fucking, um, Oh my God. What was that rapper? Uh, uh Oh, my God. It, it had, oh wait, wait, you're thinking of Vampire 2000 because so Vampire Dracula, 3000, Dracula, Dracula 3000. Yeah, sorry, yeah. With um, it has Casper Van Diem of of a Starship <gasps> Troopers fame. Oh my Coolio. God, you were right. Yeah, and Coolio, who is the last vampire. Yes, and you're he's right. Just, he's just running around. Which is, by like, the way, a sequel to Vampire 2000, which stars uh, it stars Gerard Butler. <laughs> allegedly, yeah, allegedly, they don't want to get sued, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, it's that insane. doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. You, no, you're not gonna accidentally rent um, Time Cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so follow us if you want to kind of give us recommendations and stuff or, or contact us. Um, the easiest way do our Instagram at um, the Film Podcast um, on Instagram. You could direct messages or comment on when we post this episode. And Marvin, do you want to give out your? Do you have a Twitter or anything you want to? If people want to follow you. Um, I don't have a well, well. I run a YouTube channel um, with my other friend Dan. It's called Fugitive Games. Um, 
uh, it's called Fugitive Games because we have a production company called Fugitive Frames, which is what um, my girlfriend used to call uh, Flash Frames movies. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, we do Let's Plays and uh, talk about video games and stuff. Um, right now, we just finished The Outer Worlds, um, and we're just about to finish uh, Fallout New Vegas. And uh, we're going to get into like um, some other very different games like Batman, Arkham City, and some Rhythm Heaven, and maybe get into some Phoenix Wright later on. But uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, just uh, go to YouTube.com and then just search for uh, Fugitive Games, and we should be on um, the first uh, thing you see. So, And I'll post a link on thefilmpodcast.com. Go to this episode, and I'll post all the links to uh, Marvin's um, YouTube channel. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe. Until next time, hey, have a good week. Have a good week, everyone.